All right. Hello, 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 marketing cheat coders. Thanks again for joining us on the pod. This thing keeps picking up speed, attracting amazing talent. So thanks to all of you who've joined us on the pod, who've subscribed, followed. There's a lot more to come. As you know, I'm Sam, content director here at Aprimo, and of course, joined by Ed Brielt, our host and chief marketing officer. Ed, who are we talking to today? Dan Genghis. He is a thought leader, keynote speaker, author, podcaster. He's a top marketer. He's worked for brands like Discover, McDonald's, and Humana. Yeah, I mean, this one pairs up really nicely with some of our, our other recent episodes. Amazing cheat codes on learning to be your own customer, kind of seeing through that lens. It gets pretty introspective and reflective on some of the choices we make as marketers, as customers, and how you can, you know, pretty quickly waddle down the path to mediocre experiences if you're not careful. Yeah, he's got some some magic in here uh, when he talks about creating uh, word of mouth uh, excitement and has some really great formulas for that in terms of how you need to differentiate your experience in terms of being witty, immersible, making your experiences shareable, and of course, as always, making it extraordinary. Absolutely. Uh, lessons we can all live by. Well, let's get into it. Good luck, Ed, and I'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Here we go. Dan Gingus, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Ed. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, marketing cheat codes. Uh, I know you've got a bunch. Uh, I know you, your background, um, a lot of your thought leadership you put out there, and I can't imagine what you're going to just unleash on us today. Um, just your, I definitely want to talk about your, your career arc and um, how you've navigated, you know, in the ins and outs of, of marketing. And you just have so many amazing brands like McDonald's, uh, Humana that are, that you've worked for just really um, um, some, awesome, very forward thinking brands. And you've got some stories there as well. And um, I want to talk about your book, The Experience Maker, so much goodness in there. Uh, I want to unpack all of that. And uh, for the audience, just tell us a little bit about you, Dan. Sure. Well, I actually got my start in marketing. I don't feel this old, but I got it in direct mail. And my first job out of college, I worked for a great company called the Danbury Mint, which sells high-end collectibles, plates, dolls, figurines. My mother had that. My mother, my grandmother had like loads of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, a lot of people do. Um, yeah. And I was fortunate. I, 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 In my time there, I was in two different product uh, categories that I really enjoyed. The, the first was uh, classic car replicas. These are 124th scale beautifully reproduced uh, classic cars that run for about $120, $150 each. Um, if the real car had leather seats, the model has leather seats, the paint chips match, all this stuff. Really, really cool. And then I got into sports uh, collectibles and happened to be there during the, um, this now will date me, but during the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run chase. And so we were doing a lot of stuff around that. And baseball is my favorite sport, but I uh, really worked across all sports. Um, and learning direct mail, 
I think I think everybody should have to do direct mail first because everything that I learned doing man you know manual right paper based it all made me a better digital marketer. I learned how to target and segment audiences. I learned how to uh, track results and and connect you know my spend in a campaign to the results in the campaign. I remember using uh, use I used to say how much I loved direct mail because it got instant gratification. I, I knew right. within a week whether my campaign was going to was gonna do well because the coupons were coming back in the mail. Uh, and so it's funny to, la- to look at it now, but all of those skills, really what I believe is that almost every marketing channel is really the same. It's just a different, you know, it's a different location. So is social media that much different from, um, you know, from from website marketing, it's not. There's some there's some eccentricities to it. Um, I've done search engine marketing. I've done email marketing. I've done done tons of social, uh, and to me, it's just kind of an iteration on a theme. So uh, that's where I got my start. I I spent four years there. Went came home to Chicago to go to business school at Kellogg, um, and then since then have worked as you mentioned at mostly large companies. Uh, McDonald's, Humana, Discover being three, spent a little bit time at a a startup. And then at the beginning of 2019, I made the leap and started my own company. And uh, what I like to tell people now is I like working for the Dan better than I liked working for the man. So I hope it stays. (laughs) Well, Dan, the man. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go back to your direct mail. And um, yeah, I, I actually worked for, um, had some time with, uh, Bank of America working for them on their in their loyalty program and their uh, affinity uh, awards program and, and direct mail was in there too, and you learn yes direct response but then the the difference a point seven five response rate means to like a one percent response rate it's just huge you're working with like very low response rates but high rewards and like very small incremental gains meaning you know larger it's like the the law of incremental gains working for you tweaking a bunch of little little things to get the larger result for sure now um so this is marketing cheat codes so i'm going to go here first gaming what is some gaming experience that you've got that you might be passionate about all right so true fact i have owned exactly two home gaming systems in my life an Atari 2600 and a Nintendo Wii (laughs) and nothing in between and nothing since. In fact, uh, as I was telling your colleagues earlier, um, what I do own in my basement are uh, five classic pinball machines and a vintage Galaga machine, like the cocktail version that you sit down in. Wow. Um, Because I always felt like that was... The heyday of my gaming abilities was Galaga, Miss Pac-Man, Centipede, all those great uh, original games. And then a- after that, it got too complicated for me. <laughs> That's phenomenal. There's a whole Netflix that um, show that covers those games exactly and how that started. That's amazing. That's like so so much nostalgia going on with those games. Excellent. Uh, let's unpack it. Um, and so, Dan, I want to talk about a couple things. So let's get to also games. And I'm going to break up a, a podcast rule here, which is sort of like uh, timestamp or date stamp things. But let's talk about the Super Bowl. Um, did you have any commercial? Do you see any commercials that you liked or you disliked? 
Uh, the commercial that stuck out to me the most was for the Google Pixel 6. Um, I happen to be working on a project right now where I am uh, talking, thinking about and working with some people on the intersection of diversity and inclusion and customer experience and how diversity and inclusion is often looked at as a hiring concept, which of course it is, but but a good customer experience person and frankly, a good marketer knows their audience, knows the differences within their audience, knows how different people of different backgrounds might use their product or service differently. And this ad for the Google Pixel 6 was talking about the camera that essentially allowed dark-skinned people to look better on pictures. And, and it showed, it had a lot of sort of first-person discussion of, you know, I've never been able to take a good picture. It's always too dark or too light or what have you. And I thought it was just so brilliant and, and gave me the chills, honestly, that they understood that their product isn't used the same way by every single customer. And that, you know, while it might be, they've always bragged about having the best cameras, it wasn't maybe the best camera for everyone. And I loved that they were willing to uh, look themselves in the mirror, acknowledge that fact, improve upon it, and then go brag about it. And I thought, uh, to me, it was a beautiful commercial and maybe not one that everyone else remembered, but that was definitely the one that stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I do love that. And I, I love the fact that technology organizations are realizing that we need to address it forward. I, I'm seeing the same thing with artificial intelligence, which also is um, sometimes not ideal uh, as well. That was, a, that was an amazing commercial. Um, did you see the uh, Coinbase with the, the bouncing QR code? That yes. was what in fact, we covered that in our uh, in our my podcast, which is called Experience This. And this idea, even just the, the concept that QR codes are kind of coming back after having, you know, they they came out of the water really, really hot. And then then for some reason, they got a bad reputation and now they're kind of back and being used again. And uh, and it was the first time either one of us, my co-host, or I remembered a QR code being used on a Super Bowl ad. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I'm definitely going to go check out that podcast, but I thought it was a beautiful usage of the curiosity gap and the brain wants to close that gap. It, and maybe when we talk about uh, customer experience and how much, uh, how much the brain plays into customer experience uh, and or, uh, you know, consumer uh, consumer neuroscience in some ways um, that that floating QR code has us saying what what is that I'm very curious and now you know we can now we've got the, the tools utilities to be able to to move through it and I actually hit that too and I think I was part of the folks who crashed their site uh, it went down yeah well it's uh it's also um, it's an interesting example of interactivity right? Watching commercials is a pretty passive activity. We sit on the couch, we've got our, you know, nachos and our beer in our hand or whatever it is, and we're just watching. But this actually got people to take action and to be a part of, you know, to engage with the ad, which is when you can do that successfully is a huge win, obviously. So I thought that was pretty neat too. Cool. Now let's talk about, and I heard you say this in one way or another, but the customer is the best marketer. Let's t let's start talking about our customers here. Uh, 
how do you, when you think about the customer being the best marketer, you actually tackle some topics around word of mouth and the idea of the, the customer has so much influence and power over your brand. Um, take me there. How do you think about the customer being the best marketer? You know, after I published the book, I was, I was following a truck on the highway and it was a home builder. And on the back of the truck, it said, our clients are our best salespeople. And I was like, yes, yes. Doesn't every company want that? Don't we want our own customers to be our best salespeople, to tell other people about us? How much better does it sound for you to say, wow, I've read Dan's book and it's amazing versus me to say, I've read Dan's book and it's amazing. It sounds a whole lot better when you say it. And so there's an opportunity as marketers to basically build a marketing army and to get to get other people talking about us. Now, how do we do that? Well, I believe the best way to do this, and recall, I'm a 20-year marketer, so this is not a knock on, on traditional marketing campaigns, but I will tell you right now, if I never had to do another marketing campaign, it would be too soon because I would much prefer focusing on creating a remarkable customer experience for my customers so that they do the marketing for me. And what we, what we know and what I share in the book is that consumers do not share ordinary experiences. We, no, nobody's ever said, let me tell you about the perfectly average restaurant I went to last night. <laughs> exactly. We share really good experiences and really bad experiences, both ends of the spectrum. Now, what's interesting is you would think, given that we share at both ends of the spectrum, that if you go and, and scroll through Facebook or Twitter or any other uh, social platform, that you would see about equal positive and negative experiences. Of course, that's not true. And of course, what we see much more of are negative experiences. The reason is that although consumers will share both, and in fact, they will say they're more willing to share positive ones than negative ones, Two-thirds of consumers cannot remember the last time a brand exceeded their expectations. So they don't have anything to share. And that's where, to me, all of the opportunity is. And it's what I focus my teaching on when I do keynotes and workshops and, and the book and all that, is if we can be that company that creates the kinds of experiences that people want to talk about, then we've now created our best marketing. And that's the path to word of mouth marketing. I, I like to joke, you know, how many of us and anybody that's worked in marketing has probably had a CMO at some point in their life come to them and say, well, can't you just create a viral video? You know, <laughs> if only it was that easy. Yeah. Uh, that's not the easiest path to word of mouth marketing. Uh, it is a path, but certainly not the easiest. Yeah, I mean, I think virality is something that's what while you could have intention you just can't you can't say it it's just it has to just happen it has to somehow catch fire there's no real formula for that it just needs to to happen it could, you could have some of your biggest ideas turn into nothing or have some of your smallest that was never even an idea it just happened on its own exactly one of my very favorite examples in the book comes from a company that was not trying to do any marketing, but probably had its best marketing campaign of the year. And it was a, it's a UK fashion brand called ASOS. And ASOS made a mistake with one of their packaging bags. There was a typo on it. And I would argue that 999 out of 1,000 companies probably don't even notice the typo. And then the one that notices it 
throws the bags out. But ASOS decided instead to tweet about it. And they put out a tweet that said something to, I have to paraphrase here, but um, it says something like, we may have printed 17,000 bags with a typo. We're calling it a limited edition. And they showed a picture of the bags with the typo on it. 50,000 likes and something like 8,000 retweets. That's almost impossible on Twitter if you're not a celebrity. And that was what I like to call accidental marketing, right? I mean, all they did was poke a little fun at themselves, have a little self-deprecation and show that they're human, which is what we're all looking for, right? Humans make mistakes. Okay, we get it as long as we can laugh at it. And that had to have been, I, I don't know this for sure, but I would be 99% sure that that was their best performing tweet of the year. Wow. And they it probably paid nothing initially to, to make it a campaign, but it's all in how they responded to it and uh, showed that uh, they were vulnerable as a brand and as a, a producer of, it, it's a fully online, it was a, a fully e-commerce fashion um, brand. Uh Lots of con- content, photos, etc. So, um, there. And I want to talk about this in your book, but like pr- the future of CX is that being able to digitize your business. They were they're fully digital. We need to think about all of us how we play in the future in a fully digital world. I definitely want to get there. Um, also, you talk quite a bit about uh, being customer zero or um, actually some of us say, you know, drink our own champagne, you know, walk through the customer journey, uh, as if we're in their shoes, but talk to me about how important it is to really, again, the, the goal of empathy, et cetera, and, um, improving, um, the customer journey, but how important is it to be customer zero? Yeah, it's. I've actually never heard it called customer zero, and I like that concept. I think that's great. I've heard it walking in a customer's shoes, whatever. Let me give you a sort of a reverse example. One of the companies I worked for, and we'll, I won't tell you which one just because I don't like to dog on anybody. Sure. Most of the executives had a private customer service line that they could call if they had a problem where it went immediately to a supervisor. Now, when I started, I was given access to that. I was asked if I'd like that. And I said, absolutely not. I want to call the same 800 number that every other customer calls because I want to see what they go through. You know, if you're going to make me wait on hold for 45 minutes, you're going to have one PO'd employee and customer, right? But how am I ever going to know that if I'm calling the number that that brings me right to a supervisor? It's To me, it is exactly the wrong way that an executive should behave. And so uh, I believe that every employee, to the extent possible, and I get it, it's not possible in every in every industry, become a customer of your own company. You and I both worked for credit card companies. Get the darn credit card, right? Go onto the website, apply for the card, see what that process is like. Log into the website, forget your password, go through the forgotten password process. That's never fun. You know, um, redeem your rewards. Do all of the things a customer would do, and you will find places where you yourself are irritated. And I can assure you, if you're irritated, your customers are irritated. Absolutely. If you work for a restaurant, you know, the, who are the best waiters or waitresses that you've ever had? It's the ones that have tried everything on the menu and can actually give you great advice on what to order because they've been the customer. In fact, I had one the other day that, that literally said, don't order that when I picked one. 
I was like astounded, but I was really impressed because he's like, listen, it's not our best menu item. I would highly suggest if you want chicken or whatever that you do this one instead. Wow. That's a wow experience, right? He saved me maybe from ordering something that just wasn't that good. So in, in almost every industry, there's either an opportunity to become your own customer, or if you absolutely can't, then the, the second best thing is to basically have some have a real customer glue yourself to their hip, you know, follow them along. I mean literally and physically, not just, you know, have them tell you, but but go through the process with them. The third best way, and a way that any company can do, is to listen to customer service uh, calls. Uh, read emails, read tweets, read uh, chat sessions. There is nothing like hearing the actual voice of a customer. Calls are the best for that because you can hear their voice, you can hear their emotion, their frustration, their you know exhaustion, whatever it is. And I've been in so many rooms with executives where when they hear a customer, that's what triggers them to say, oh, that's not the experience I thought we were delivering. We need to fix this now. And I love it when it makes them angry because that's then I know something's going to get done. Yeah, you're able to bring your own emotion uh, into the the situation, and you're the one who's now got the emotion. You've got the empathy, and you can do something about it. Uh, yeah, and it's it's it is so hard because we're so used to being on the other side of the mirror, right? We're we're in the ivory tower in the office you know, building these experiences that I don't think most companies are intentionally building bad experiences, but they're building them in a way that seems like it makes sense to them. And they're not seeing it from the other perspective. So a, a great marketing example. Um, and, and I got rid of this when we were, when I was at Discover, when you logged into the Discover website, the first thing you'd get is a pop-up ad. And I said, who in this room likes pop-up ads? Raise your hand. You know, nobody. Yeah. So why are we doing it? And somebody, you know, sheepishly said, well, because it works. I said, really, how well does it work? Oh, well, we get a 10% click-through rate. I said, well, that's pretty good. Problem is that means we just pissed off 90% of our customers yeah. because they all didn't want that pop-up. And so we have to do better. We can't just put a pop-up in front of people because it makes us a little bit of money when we know ourselves as customers that we don't like it when companies do that to Interruption us. Interruption marketing, it doesn't work anymore. No, well, I mean, it, it can work. It works for a small group of people, but it, but yeah, but the, but the, the negative effect is so much higher. And um, it's why I think to me, customer experience, while critical, is not rocket science because we are all customers in our real lives. We, we all know the companies that we like and why we like them. And we all know when we have an experience that we can't wait to tell people about, positive or negative. And it's about using that in your day-to-day -day business to do the same for your customers. Yeah, you just, I think you have to keep your whole self in your in your day-to-day -day as well um, in order to do that. You have to bring yourself to work, bring your emotions to work, bring your, uh, your skills and your... Um, your objectives uh, to work every day. And you can, it's easy to get lazy about that too. Be like, I just don't want to endure what my customers, I don't want to put myself through the paces. Um, so I, I definitely think it, it takes a, um, a very conscious effort to get there. I want to tell you. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, sorry, one more thing. Like, you know, next time you're putting together uh, an email sequence of, you know, 15 emails, why don't you put yourself on that email list right. and see whether you enjoy getting those emails? Yeah, for sure. A seed list for sure. Uh, 
yeah, we just did, we just launched some new digital experiences recently and we, we put ourselves through the paces and found some things that helped us, uh, create a more clear path and reduce some of the disruption friction. And that's awesome. I want to talk about your book okay. experience maker. First of all, I always love asking this question. What inspired you to write it? So I think of myself as a storyteller. It's how I like to teach, whether I'm on stage or whether I'm writing blogs or whether I'm doing a podcast, I tell customer experience stories. Now, when I go on stage and I have, let's say, 45 minutes, I can only tell so many stories, usually about a dozen, maybe 15. But over the years, I have been collecting and collecting and collecting. And either they're stories that have happened to me or to my friends or, you know, social media followers now send me stories. And so I built this big library and I really wanted to kind of open up the vault to other people because I find the story so inspiring and the idea is not every story in my book is going to inspire you, but I guarantee you at least a few of them will. In fact, probably a lot of them will. And what's interesting to me is to see which people gravitate towards which stories. Um, I always ask audiences when I speak, you know, uh, if I'm looking for feedback, I always ask them, like, what was your favorite story? Um, and, and were there any stories that didn't land with you? Because I want to know that too. And by the way, the ones that show up on that list usually don't show up in future keynotes. Um, and so the inspiration for me really was, man, I just, there are so many great stories out there. Um, and what you may have noticed having read the book is my personal brand. I've, I've just sort of, dis I just put a stake in the ground early yeah. on that I was always going to talk about positive experiences and, uh, at least when I name brands, right. And I want to, I love highlighting brands that are doing great by their customers. And so what you'll notice in the book is 95% of the examples are positive and I name the brand and, and give them kudos for the ones that aren't positive. Uh, I don't name the brand because I don't believe in brand shaming right. and I let other people do that. Um, but I do believe in learning from bad experiences and figuring out what we can take from it and do better. So there's a couple of examples where I will go through, man, this one really was terrible, but let me deconstruct why it was terrible and how we might make it into a better experience. Um, so that was the other inspiration is I do think um, we all need a little positivity uh, in the world. And I hope that, you know, a lot of these stories are touching, they're inspiring, they're uh, emotional. Um, and if they cause people to think differently about experience, then I feel like I've done my That's job. awesome. And you've got some really good um, frameworks in there as well, WISE. Uh, I want to talk about that. So I just want to summarize. You've got some really awesome cheat codes you've exposed so far. I'm just going to call it customer zero, but it's it's be your own customer. Um, customer is the best marketer. Now, I think this uh, acronym you have, WISE, is also an awesome marketing cheat code. Can you unpack that for me? Absolutely. Uh, WISE is, my goal is to make people wise to customer experience and wise are the four steps to creating the kinds of experiences that people want to talk about. So think about that experience that you've had where you weren't even thinking, you just reached into your pocket, took out your phone, and you're like, I gotta get a picture of this. And I, and then inevitably it's gonna end up on Instagram or wherever you share your, your photos. So those are the kinds of experiences I'm talking about. And wise stands for witty, immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. Love and very quickly, witty is not about telling jokes or being humorous because humor can be dangerous in marketing. It's about being clever, using language to your advantage, 
and this is the most important part, refusing to be boring. I don't care what industry you're in, you do not have to be boring. Just because your industry might be boring doesn't mean that it has to be. And I will show you somebody in your industry that is not boring, and that's how one of the ways they're standing out. Immersive means creating experiences that people really feel in their bones, that they either have an emotional reaction to, that it appeals to one of the five senses, or that can just be something that is consistent, that from the beginning to the end of the journey feels like the same brand. It feels like it's connected. It flows nicely. Shareable is one of the goals. We want word of mouth, but it has to be done strategically. It doesn't happen by accident. And so we, so here we talk about where in an experience, usually it's a certain point where somebody is going to pull out their phone. It's not the whole experience, right? It's that one moment where somebody says, wow, I got to take a picture of this. And so we talk about that in shareable. And then extraordinary really comes to be about being a little bit better than ordinary. I told you before, nobody shares ordinary experiences. So we don't have to be miles above ordinary. We just have to be a little bit better because chances are our competition is still ordinary. So we can stand out by being a little bit better. Each one of those has tons of examples and all of the examples, because I was in corporate America and I, and I have had to deal with budgets and red tape and legal approval and all this sort of stuff. All of the examples are simple, practical, and inexpensive. So leave it to another book to go hear how the Four Seasons spent a half a million dollars on one customer. And it's this great story and I won't blow it, but I'm not telling that story because most people reading the book don't have an extra half a million dollars lying around to go do that. Um, and so all of my examples are simple, practical, and inexpensive. And then the last cheat code is that once you get past wise, I say, hey, guess what? Surprise, I don't want you just to be wise. I want you to be wiser than the competition. And the R in wiser is about being responsive. And this is something that marketers certainly understand, especially social media marketers. When we put content out in the world uh, or we create experiences and people start sharing them, we have to respond back to them. We have to be part of that conversation. And sometimes just that response will create loyalty and will create brand advocates. I even show some examples of responding to customers that are unhappy with your brand. They're detractors. And simply by responding, we turn them into advocates. And it's always amazing when that happens, but man, it happens over and over again. And it's as simple as yeah, responding. That's magic. Taking action. Love that uh, acronym. Uh, absolutely a cheat code. So one of my favorite chapters was, I believe it was 15. Yeah, 15, essentially the future. Of the future of customer experience, and one one section really stood out, which was the move to digital. Um, so, I think we learned a heck of a lot over the last two years. On well, let's let's just say that every, you your digital transformation, whether that be voluntary or involuntary, had to be done. Um, but how? Talk to me about the move to digital for brands. How important that is. And for the survival of you know our species, well, I mean, almost every almost every industry has had to go digital in some way uh, over the last two years, and I think that's generally a good thing. There's a lot that's good about digital, right? We, uh, as a society, we like being able to self serve. We like being able to search and research and browse and 
and and find things. Uh, we also like the ease, the the simplicity, the um, reduction in expense, the speed, you know, all of that stuff we like. And, and so there's a higher and higher demand for that. Um, whether you are an Amazon lover or not, I am an Amazon lover, but you know, they set the stage for all of e-commerce because, and they keep getting better. Um, think about just uh, one little portion of the Amazon experience, uh, their return policies, right? Um, they used, they've always had easy return policies, but it used to be you had to print out a label and package it up and bring it to the post office. And then they made it where, you know, you could bring it into Kohl's to do it. And now they make it where you don't have to print anything. You don't even have to package it. You can just bring the darn thing to the UPS store and hand it to them. I mean, and then, and then they are also even sometimes they tell you, don't even bother returning it. We'll just refund yes. your money. I mean, they keep making it easier and easier and easier. So what can we learn from that? Well, Customers like ease, they like convenience, uh, they like speed. And so where can we do that for people? Now, the other half of the drive to digital, which is the slightly more worrisome part, is that it has reduced or even eliminated the human connection. And what's interesting is that especially in the last two years, people want more human connection, not less, because we were sort of, we were without it for so long. And so companies still have to realize and and pay attention to how they engage with customers, how there is that human to human connection, um, how we can show our customers that we know them as people, not as an account number or a frequent flyer number, but as a person. There's some great examples in the book about, you know, um, Chewy doesn't just know your name, they know your pet's name and they're not afraid to use it right and that and that's that's it's so smart because you know anybody who has a pet you hear your pet's name you're you got a smile on your face right and so it, there's there's ways to do that i just did a, a little experiment uh, my birthday was in christmas on christmas um, christmas day and i did a little experiment where i opened up 21 apps on my phone i opened up social media uh, platforms banks credit cards insurance um, airlines, hotels, like everybody that I figured that I knew had my birthday on file because at some point I told them my birthday might've shown my ID. Obviously when you apply for a credit card, you're filling it out on a form, et cetera. Out of those 21, only three of them recognized that it was my birthday. Now, this is not difficult technology. This is not, everybody's got the data. It's all sitting there. We're just not doing anything with it. And how hard is that, right? How hard is it to wish somebody a happy birthday and create an experience for them and show them that you care? Um, and so I thought it was really interesting that only three did. And now I later found out, just, just to clarify, I awarded a half a point to Snapchat because my kids pointed out that apparently uh, there was a birthday filter that, of course, because I'm too old, I don't know how to do that. Uh, there was a birthday filter that I could have found, and, and they thought that maybe could have qualified. So I gave a half point to, to Snapchat. Um, but anyway, the, the, the drive to digital, I mean, look, the, we're going to have to drop the word transformation. It, it's not, we're not transforming anymore. Right. We're there. We've, we've arrived at digital, but it, but I would change that word to evolution because it is going to continue to evolve. Uh, we're going to grow into Web 3.0. We're going to grow into uh, more, I think, uh, augmented and virtual reality. We're going to, uh, you know, the technology is just going to keep getting better and better. Um, and similarly, 
the expectations are going to get higher. Customer expectations have never been higher. And uh, that is paired with switching costs have never been lower. It is so easy to go find another clothing company or another dentist or another plumber or another restaurant if you have a bad experience. So, and, and, and customers are doing that in droves after a single bad experience. So that's what the stakes are. And, um, and it's not, I don't say that to scare people. I just, I say it to really underline the importance of um, the digital experience is becoming the experience in so many brands. Uh, you mentioned, you know, before ASOS doesn't have stores, right? So the entire experience is digital. You screw up the digital experience, then there is no experience. So this stuff is, is really critical. That's awesome. Dan, thank you so much. Awesome stories. I mean, you are a storyteller and a story writer and just so much goodness there. And uh, really appreciate you coming on Marketing Cheat Codes. And what's the best place for folks to get in touch with you and follow you? And uh, obviously, we could search for you, but where, do you, where are you putting out all your good stuff today? Uh, well, I would direct people to dangingus.com and the last name is G-I-N-G-I-S-S. That's uh, where I have all, all of my content in one place. Uh, plus, you can contact me there. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Dan Gingis and Twitter at dgingis. Um, and uh, if you Google me, it won't be very hard to find me. Excellent. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sonny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Brield. And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts and be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening.